I couldn't really tell you exactly how that started to move in me or form up in me. I'm really not quite sure. I haven't made that trace yet. But what I certainly can say is that somehow the whole idea of character, it feels very natural and it feels very important. And it also feels very dignified. The idea that there would be certain qualities or traits that you could recognize a person by. And we could all, I'm sure, find examples from history. Throughout history, the great questions have been asked and great research has been undertaken, always expanding the territory of the known by shining a light into the unknown. Where is that cutting edge today? And can a community of people from all over the world, each carrying their own unique journey of discovery, come together to inquire at the edge of purposeful evolution through conversation? At Portals of Perception, we think it is possible, and we hope that you will choose to be a part of this exploration. The word chivalry may bring to mind scenes of medieval knights living to a code of behavior based on virtue, honor, and courage. But what was chivalry at its core? How is it different or separate from the romantic legends that developed around it later? Are these just old, outdated kinds of ideas, or do they have some validity in a postmodern, cynical, polarized world? We explore these questions with a diverse group of individuals in Chivalry in a Postmodern World. The propelling impulse of portals of perception is the sense that we are entering or have entered or are in the middle of a meaningful and important evolutionary upgrade process. And that actually we all have a part to play in this process in that we can contribute by way of leading, by way of healing, by way of discovery, in a variety of different roles and functions. And there is also the element of looking to discover what of the past is still true and is a necessary bridge to whatever may unfold in the next evolutionary upgrade that is developing in front of our eyes. So there is a function in honoring and harvesting the best of what, what was as a bridging work for tomorrow. And so today's conversation is about the idea of chivalry. What was chivalry at its core? And how is this core different or separate from the romantic legends that developed about it later? And why did people throughout the ages, really from East to West, throughout many cultures, felt drawn and attracted to chivalrous ideas and values and virtues? And are these just old, outdated kind of ideas? Or do they have some validity in this postmodern, cynical, polarized world? So we want to explore these questions today and for that purpose, we gathered with a group of individuals who are rich, drawn, and attracted 
to this research, to this work, and to this inquiry. And I would like to begin by asking you first, what attracted you to this inquiry? And I know for some of you, it's been more recent. For others, it's been something that has been with you for a long time. But what was it that attracted you? And secondly, in this recent engagement with the inquiry, what's the first discovery or the first impact of how this unfolded for you? So, uh, Jerry, would you get us started, please? Thanks, Aviv. Well, yeah, I think my first is kind of an awakening into this area was at a very tender age. I was, I remember, three years old. And it was then that I, that's the earliest time I can remember being taught by my parents about, for example, respect for authority. And so, for example, I was taught to respect the authority of a policeman on his beat coming down our road. And also, of course, you know, as my life went on, you know, having the disciplines and the respect when I was at school for the teachers. And I do remember that that kind of grew into having respect for my peers, all the boys and girls that I was in class with. And that I started to realize that some of the behaviors I saw but just not right. And so some of the boys, you will be very, even at the age of seven or eight or nine, some of the boys would be very dominant, that's the best way I can put it, with the girls. And amongst the boys, and I know it's the way with children anyway, uh, children can be horrible to each other, can't they? But you know, sort of, I saw it in excess. And I thought, no, I don't want any part of this. I can remember these sort of words out in the playground. And again, as, as my education went on, I can remember at secondary school meeting other young teenagers whose ways of going on were absolutely horrific. And it's my, as you might call it, the school bully. I very quickly learned to keep out of the way, I have to say. And on the male side of that, you know, the young teenage boys, yes, you know, these, these lads had a little gang around them. And I noticed that it wasn't friendship, but it was fright that was keeping them together. And I noticed with some other boys in the class I was in, you know, treated the girls horribly. I mean, you know, sort of to the point, I remember one particular incident where one boy physically hurt one of the girls. And I didn't quite know what to do. I was so surprised and shocked by this awful behaviour. And then I then took a stance about it because it was so, so wrong. And gradually I learned that I could call it now the ways of chivalry. I didn't have that terminology in those days. But I started to realize that the way that ladies were treated in the world, and not only in the culture I was brought up in, which is 
in England. But then as I became more aware, you know, through watching the news on the TV, for example, how ladies were treated in other countries. And I came to realize that this is a kind of a worldwide thing that has happened and how it's, well, it now, you know, it doesn't seem to have stopped the kind of, um, how can I describe it? The degeneration, the falling down of the standards between men and ladies and men to men. And sometimes, to my great hurt, ladies to men. How that has degenerated to the point where I see these days that most men are frightened of most men to some degree. Most ladies mistrust most men. And so I'll give you an example. When I go out for my uh, daily walks these days, because of the COVID virus, I'm very careful to keep a two metre distance between anybody whom I cross paths with. And what I find is that if I step out of the way to let somebody through on a pavement, either gender, probably 80% of the time, there's no recognition of that act. You're just blanked. And then for the rest of the 20%, half of them might just go, you know, sort of, okay, merest nod of recognition. And then others, like a lady who I uh, gave way to the other day, she gave me the most lovely smile. And it was a true smile because it was with the eyes as well. I tried to put this better. How she felt to me as she passed, she felt really good. She felt like somebody that I could be a friend with, yeah. So really that's the point I want to make for a starter, Aviv, is how I've observed through this, you know, through this lifetime of mine, how chivalry really has been abandoned. It's forgotten about, you know? Yes, thank you. Now we will retrace back to some of the themes you're exploring. Um, please, Miriam. Thank you. Like Jerry, I've observed decline in standards of human behavior. I mean, for example, my father, he's dead a few years now, but he fought in the Second World War. He was an officer in the Navy. His father before him was an officer in the Navy in the First World War. And my father was of a generation where he was taught that he should stand up when a lady enters the room. Any lady, any member of the female gender. So my father did it throughout his life whether it was a cleaning lady or a duchess, he would treat them the same. And that's how he was taught, but also, thankfully, that's how he was in himself, because he was a fine gentleman, and I, I miss him. I'm very lucky that he was my father. But he uh, tried to teach that to my brother, and my brother has that decency, but he doesn't go so far with it, so I already see a slippage of the standard there. I think human beings are hardwired to want to help each other and to respect each other. Because you can see that in the behavior of children. If you put them in a playground together, mostly they share and they help each other and they collaborate and cooperate. And if somebody falls down, a hand goes out to help them get up. Also, I know that if you're in a shop and you see a lady trying to get through the door with a baby buggy 
and three or four bags of shopping. Your first instinct, it doesn't matter who you are or who she is, to open, hold open the door for her. So I think respect and decent behavior is hardwired in humans. And the opposite has to be learned. Disrespect is something that you learn, and you learn it from TV programs. I mean, look at what passes for entertainment these days. So it bothers me, you see, that Jerry mentioned about the way ladies are treated in the world. Ladies are not, do not feel safe in the world. I have a daughter, she's 31. She's one of the bravest young ladies I know. She'll happily go off and hike around South America on her own. But in a city environment, she doesn't. She gets spooked by you know, the idea of, there was a recent case in London where a, a lady was abducted and murdered by a police officer. And that spooked her. And I thought, my God, if it spooks her, how's it going to be with all the other ladies on the planet? The ladies grow up having to live in a constant state of self-protection. They know for we know, for example, that you don't get a flat on the ground floor. You carry your keys in your pocket. You lock your car doors when you're driving. All little things like that. And the, the protection of the vulnerable, the, the giving of a, a voice to the people who have no voice, I think that's part of chivalry and something that is needed in the world. And it really cries out for it. That's what I've got to say at this time. Yeah, thank you. So let me just ask you before we, we get the next voice on, some of the people watching this will even have a struggle with how you use the word lady because they'd like to talk about women and, and women rather than ladies. And, and you deliberately choose this word. So that is, what would you say to that, to ease somebody who is saying, yeah, all this about respect and the way you use the language is nice, but it's, it's outdated. It's, it's Victorian time. It's, how would you ease them to stay with what it is you're actually saying? Well, what I, what I know about, I mean, being a female, you're born a female and you grow into a woman, but being a lady is something that you can choose to be or not. And I like to speak about women, if you like, as ladies, because I like to give them the credit for being ladies, even if they're not. That's wonderful. Thank you. Thanks. So who is ready to come next, please? Hi, Aviv. Hi, everybody. Yeah, I absolutely agree with what's been said already. And I'd like to add another couple of threads to this conversation. I, I remember, similar to yourself, Jerry, I remember being quite young, probably seven years old, six years old. And in England, we, we had these books that were called Ladybird books. Fabulous. Small books, introductory into many different aspects of life. And I remember reading one of these books, which introduced the idea of, I think it was the Sleeping Beauty, the tale, the legend from many, many years ago. And I remember distinctly a picture of a man and he was battling. He was battling through this thicket, this overgrown wood. You know, he got a few tears and a few rips from a few thorns, but he was battling through. And what I remember really distinctly about the experience was feeling how heroic I felt this imaginary man was in this picture. It was a, an artist's rendition, of course. But 
somehow that heroism spoke to me very directly and I would not consider myself to be a special case in that at all because I think there is something very natural in all human beings and all people that responds to the idea of a sort of a heroic something and I would hasten to add that heroism comes in all kinds of forms and I'm not I'm not alluding to some great, huge sort of gesture or quest, but actually in the very small moment to moment, day by day instances, there's much heroism that already goes on, which I think is fabulous. And I would really want to celebrate that in every small instance that it occurs, whether it's in my affairs, in my life or or someone else's, it matters not. It has a real inherent value. And so this brings me to the first thread that I would bring in, uh, which is really to do with the development of one's own personal character. And I couldn't really tell you exactly how that started to move in me or form up in me. I'm really not quite sure. I haven't made that trace yet. But what I certainly can say is that somehow... The whole idea of character, it feels very natural and it feels very important. And it also feels very dignified. The idea that there would be certain qualities or traits that you could recognise a person by. And we could all, I'm sure, find examples from history, examples of things such as coats of arms and shields, whereby... Somebody is trying to tell you that they, this is what I stand for. This is what I'm about. This is who I am. And although things like shields, to a large extent, may be something considered quite historic, well, I don't see why that has to be the case at all. And I'm not necessarily suggesting that I will have a shield painted on my car or something, (laughs) necessarily, or, you know, wear a shield. But... I have actually, uh, on a couple of occasions, put myself to the question of, well, what am I about? What is this man about? And what do I hold dear? And what's important to me and why? And it's a really good exercise to do. It's quite testing, it's quite searching and quite challenging, but certainly recommended. And somehow the, the whole idea and feeling of standing for something that you've decided for yourself not something that you've necessarily inherited there's nothing wrong with that but the idea that you can decide for oneself because you feel something is important you're going to take it up you're going to choose to be this way I think is uh is a fabulous thing and it's really something which we can all do if we choose because we all have that gift, if you like, of being able to make a decision and choose. And I've always found it very impressive when I've met somebody who has worked out for themselves and taken the time and trouble about something. I've always been really impressed by that quite naturally. So really, that would be what I would say. The second thread, I'll keep brief because there's many of us here and I don't want to hog the action, but... I would like to mention it because I feel it's very, it's sort of tantalizing really for me at least. And that is to do with 
the whole idea of adventurism in a modern modern age or a modern time. Because again, the whole idea of adventure, immediately things come to mind and things can get conjured up. And you can think of the Mount Everests and the going to Antarctica. And of course, really, I think the majority of the planet we live on has been explored and investigated, even lots of the depths of the oceans, you know, the Jacques Cousteau's of the world. But what about the adventurism of the mind? And what about the adventurism of discovery, to discover things, discover perhaps something that was never discovered before? And so it doesn't always have to take on this physical kind of dimension of doing a 10,000 mile journey. There's nothing, again, I wouldn't, you know, nothing wrong with that. But somehow I feel very personally compelled by the idea of voyages of discovery. And one of the themes of chivalry for me is the idea of quest. And so one of the questions I've been asking myself is, how does quest take on a life in the age we're living in now? What kind of quests can you have? And what would they be for and what would they be about? So that's going to be just remain as a taster. I thought I'll drop that one in. <laughs> that's great. Thank you. So we are beginning to develop a whole room of considerations here, all the way from Jerry starting us with just the discovery of right and wrong, and then the sense of behavior and, and distance in behavior, and Marianne building this awareness to men and ladies, or gentlemen and, and ladies, and the place of that, and the exampleship that we sometimes get from people that demonstrate this sense of value for others and respect and mutual respect. And Jeremy is getting us to begin to consider this idea of character formation and character development and now adventurism. So, uh, Boaz, where would you like to take us next? Okay. The situation that we are talking, I can't take it out. It's a word that's... Uh, what is governing our life from the time I was born is competition and power. And, and it came in these uh, recent years to very, very acute polarity between rich and poor, between this thinking, this thinking, between men and ladies, all polarity. Now, if we want, if we are hoping to some change in the coming future or in the far future, which is the very thing that motivate my life. It will be done by people with mutuality between people and with mutuality, which will find the new code of conduct that will enable every human being to have the right to be a human being, to have the right to experience emanation and in and potential, to fulfill his potentiality, even if he is poor and even if he is not poor, doesn't matter. And this mutuality is part of the challenge of the human being. I once went to somewhere and I saw a title on some, in some company 
which I remember till today, which was said, people with people makes people. Yeah, which is very peculiar one because we need together to find a new mutuality and a new code of conduct between all these parts which are in polarity now to allow easement, to allow flow, to allow peace uh, behavior, uh, which will minimize the polarity and will enable to bring something that the world is, everyone is waiting for him, for it, even unconsciously. And you can see it because yesterday I helped someone to find a place in the street. I was in the elevator and he asked me how to, how to, to find this. And in the first minute I was buzzed, I didn't want to answer him. And the second I said, okay, you follow me. And when I told him, you follow me, I saw him follow me. And when he saw the, the place that he, he was seeking, I felt that he really, sang, he really he was thankful. Not because he found the place, but because I responded to him, yes? And he's part of beginning of mutuality. Uh, there are very, very, uh, there are many levels to this ladder of mutuality starting with the simple things and going to uh, very delicate things. And what is important to know that it's not easy. And this is the word valiance come to it because the barrier between the high and between the high potential and the human condition today, there is a big block which barrier the connection. And this barrier should be removed just by valiance not in the manner of being a fighter in the army, not in this manner. We have valiance inside everyone, in his quest inside, to radiate outside with, with the togetherness of quest, if I, if I may say. Last thing I will say, the word is, is very interesting. Well, you use the word is, and is, is E-S-E. So I'll finish with the energy as energy. Which is are you do uh, as a Hebrew speaker to Hebrew speaker no, no, about e IS or EASE? EASE. Okay. <laughs> yes, energy is energy. When the, when the, the energy is energy, there is mutuality. So it's a thinking I thought. So. Um, no, that's for now. I think that uh, we have, if chivalry in Hebrew is os, the meaning of chivalry in Hebrew is os. Yes, Abir is oath in the Bible. So we have two options. That the current will, the horse will go without our control or that we are leading the horse. And I think that this is the quest. How we go to the future, not falling from the horse, but leading the horse. And uh, this is part of another thinking. So thank you. Well, just to clarify this last part, so are you suggesting <laughs> that we are each riding a horse, the horse is inside, and we have the, the opportunity to, to tame or direct or govern the horse within the mindfulness and the, the choices of our values and what we deem is important? Am I interpreting yes. correctly? The difference between an animal or a human. Right. Thank you. Thank you, Boaz. Please, Suze, please. Yes, I 
considering this loom that we're looking at at the moment, because I'd like to suggest a couple of influences into that loom, uh, which is uh, is bound with generational understanding. Uh, my mother was uh, born in 1925, and uh, she was brought up uh, in a society that really didn't have priority for women in the society. And one of the things I could see that I inherited from my mother was uh, there was not really an internal belief in herself. Uh, she was a woman like many women at the time were not uh, prioritized in school and uh, she was she could read and write, but hence she didn't really felt that she was contributing to society as the men did, because the men were the working force at that time. And, and so I come from a generation of women um, where, where that age showed clear signs of not having uh, self-value and self-confidence. And because I inherited that, there was a gap between where I was really supposed to be as someone being 25 and the lack of uh, influence that generation were meant to pass on to me. So that's one of the aspects of female standing in society that is really coming from far off because it seems like it has been um, diverted for a long time. Um, so that's one thing I would really like to introduce into this. And the second thing was actually, Boas, you mentioned the word uh, um, competition. When I was young, I, I attended the technical university. Um, there were not many girls there. I thought that was great, but the side of the other side of the coin in this was that because there were a lot of men attending with ambitions, and so did I have the university, I soon realized displacement in our situation, men and ladies, because it seemed that I had to work double heart to get equal measured according to the men. And there are numerous of times where I had to stand or I found myself last in the queue. And I had to have better grades than most of the men there to even have the same respect as they were showing between each other. So there is um, this placement that goes way back in also in generations. And I don't see that so easy to fix. So, yeah, that's one of the inquiries puzzling with is uh, the inheritance from generations that really shows things have been going off a track, a track that I really didn't know what was, but that I was looking for, and how to find that track in myself. Because in my experience, 
I come from a family with a, a long string of disaster, disastrous uh, patterns in marital trends. So I haven't had the mole model to look for in this. That means can't find the role models in society because there's a displacement already. And so I found myself surrounded by things being off track and how to find the balance and the track in myself. That was really, that was bothering me quite a lot. Yeah, so I thought I'd put that in because I think this, these are also um, very important influences in the loom of what we're looking at. So what would you say then attracted you about the inquiry of chivalry? How is, because what is compelling about, as you're saying, the loom that begins to form here, there are the lines of inquiry that are to do with what's natural or what's mm -hmm. right, or how are we as human beings to discover what is naturally arising mutual respect between the genders, but also inside the genders and all people to all people. And that has a sense of, is there a way to find in a very polarized postmodern world where everything has become subjective and everybody can reason for themselves what is true or not true. And there is no longer the sense of a, whatever used to be viewed as, as a unified set of standards or, or higher truths, largely thrown, the baby thrown with a bathtub and, and all the rest of it in the revolution that started into the 60s of the 20th century and, and mm -hmm. so on. So there is that search to find and reconnect or rethread some sense of what is the place of values? What is the place of appreciation of human life? And how can we actually demonstrate it? in the way we conduct ourselves with each other. And then there is the adjacent, as critical, as important line of inquiry that you bring in what you just offered, which is the sense of so many things getting off track generationally for humanity and certainly in how women were held back and how that needs still remediating. Yes. And dare I say, how part of the remedy efforts of the women liberation movements over the last 60 years, in some ways brought tremendous progress and success in certain aspects, but in other aspects created a new kind of conflicts, a new kind of challenge. So all that side of the equation, which I didn't think we were going to go into necessarily mm -hmm. in this exploration, but it is naturally arising in the middle of that, I'm asking us to consider something that many people will truly look at outdated, anachronistic, and belongs to the past. And so in the context of what you were describing there, what drew you to the inquiry of chivalry? Why? Why was that important? I don't know if that word was the importance. Right. I had other words for it. So it's a bit like... Um, you have an, an orange and you peel the orange and there is something inside that shows a different nature. That was a bit like that for me. I found that the, one, of the, one of the oranges I knew I could trust to look at was... Um, you were looking for another word in the word cloud yes. of chivalry. Was it to Thank do you. 
Was yes. it to do with honor? Was it to do with respect? Was it to do yes. with value for people, for humans' life? What yes. was it to do with? What was the, yes. the inner well, thread? Thank you. Uh, so I was looking for other words that could somehow guide me into something that I could trust looking at. And the words I was looking for was equality, for example. The word equality, what does that mean if it doesn't mean the Red Sox? What does it mean if it's not extremist right-wing policy? What does it mean, equality, if it's not bound on gain and loss of what the genders mutually exploit from each other? So I was looking for what can be a natural outlet of equality between the genders. Um, there must be something in this world I can trust because I know I've got 10 fingers. So there must be a system somehow that I can trust, that I can find that gives indications uh, of what is a natural human being that doesn't need to have a political agenda in the back pocket. And so equality was one of the first words I, that got, got me interested in the orange, so to speak. But the, on the way of that journey, I realized that uh, chivalry had a set of code of conducts and um, behavior that would indicate back in time a way of behavior between men and ladies that was not written about in the history books, that was not written about in the school books that I was introduced to. So it was really um, a search at the same time for something that was showing me from a natural standpoint, how does nature work in this? And how do I really develop the art of, be, of living inside this? Because I want to, I want to be, uh, I want to be an expression of the art of living as a female. And I want to learn what it means to give space to the art of living as a male. So I had to understand that inside both this strange orange. But I think it was, it was modern words that got me interested in the first place. But I realized that going back, that because history very often is written by the conquerors, those who won the battle, it was another facet of history that I was looking for. And that got me into chivalry. Thank you. Please, Nigel, come on this in yes. any way. Yes. Hello. The key avenue into chivalry for me is through the aspect of honour. I've always been drawn to honour and being honourable. At first, I didn't understand why. From where I am now, in reflecting on being born human, I see we have two great privileges, one of consciousness and one of choice. And my consciousness says to me that I didn't create me. So my life is a gift. And it also says to me that that merits a response if I am to be honourable. And I mean, just, just the faculty of choice says that 
I am not subject to my history and that I'm only subject, I'm only limited by my choices. And I believe, I feel in myself a great urge to, to refine, to make better of myself. And I believe that is in all humans, just from those two faculties of choice and consciousness. Another great urge in me is that humans come together in safety, but our world is built on personality and we know that we're each unique. So how can we come together in personality? I don't see it's possible, but we all have living in us qualities and we can come together if we make those the center of our life. Simple things like care, respect, patience, dignity. So it seems to me that the first place of, of chivalry is simply to make choices about what one bases one's life on and to not give lesser response to having the privilege of life. And simply by making choices, life moves from anything goes which looks like our modern world, to, well, I'll use the word purpose, but I think everyone wants to feel useful. And that to me is, is what the essence of purpose is. Useful to each other, useful to life. I go and visit my grandchildren every week and uh, there's two two-year-olds and I'm doing jobs around the place. And uh, they're always saying, can I help? Can I help? And I really wonder, where has that gone in the 16-year-old that comes out of school? Because it's not so evident. And it's, it's not been reinforced by their education. But we can still make choices and hold the best of each other. Um, because one is holding the best of oneself as a starter. And we all fall over and fail. It's part of life. But if we can hold the best of each other for those times when we might need it, then I feel that life could be very different. Yeah. Where I begin. Yeah, great. Thank you, Nigel. So you're really beginning to paint for us um, a bridge, together with what Jeremy earlier said about the idea of shields and the idea of declaring by way of symbol or words what you stand for, you're taking this idea and, and making the bridge from chivalry to the life of honor, to the idea of choice, to the idea of purpose, and choosing to center one's mm -hmm. life on purposeful choices, perhaps a way to consider chivalrous conduct into a modern time. So who else is ready to come and play with this, either by reflecting back again to the core truth of what chivalry was in the first place, and then even more so in the inquiry of, so what, what is a way to consider these ideas in this day and age, when, as we said, it's an anything goes cynical, polarized world. You may say one word that in 
someone else's cosmology of meaning means something that they disapprove of and they shut you out of their life. They no longer are prepared to consider that you may even use the word in a whole other different context than how they hear this word. So that is the degree of the challenge. And so who is ready to come on and further build? Please, Boaz. I wrote three, three words when Nigel was speaking. One is fairness. Fairness. I asked myself, the, the, the sentence that came to me was, let's play fair game. What is fair game? But fairness is deeper than this. Fairness is something deeper than fair game. Loyalty and courage. Now... What was the third word? Loyalty and? Courage. 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 Yes. Now, it's very interesting that loyalty is... We need updating in, all, in every world. What is the new loyalty? To what to be loyal? Yes, because some people said, I'm loyal to the values of my generations, the recent generations, but the values can change. So things are changing in the world. And one of the, part of the quest is to the adaptation of values, principle, and loyalty to what the future needs. Yes, for example, and this is part of, a, of the, it's, a, it's just the beginning of the search. Yes, because part of the barrier is to say, I'm loyal to what was with my parents and this and this and this and this, which is loyalty to the past or to the values of the past. Now we, we can't be loyal to the values of the chivalry in the 16th century, yes? We need to take the enzyme of those values and to fertilize by the East, like the East does, with this enzyme, the new values or the new principle of which we adapt to the future. And this is a very, this search is nothing starting, not just in this group, but it's in every place because I think that the humanity feels that we can't stick to the loyalty to things which are not relevant. Yes, <laughs> we need to stick to loyalty in the deepest meaning to what is current and what will be current, a new different search. And you're proposing that inside this search, there is an invitation and a potential to search throughout the ages and find those properties or essences or enzymes, as, as you call them, that can become uh, reanimated or reactivated in the currency of, of the challenges of this time and would mean something new and will unlock new possibilities. Of and one of the simple thresholds or, or ways you're proposing to engage in this inquiry is even the research of language. Take words that we've always taken them in a particular context, like the word loyalty, and ask what would the, that word mean today? Yeah. Because there could be tremendous value in appreciating and being loyal to certain things from the past if and when you find a new updated current reason to uphold it rather than this is merely a transmission down the generation line and you are simply acting on your parents or, or your parents' parents' 
parents' parents' behalf, for which, by the way, there is value as well. But the, the challenge you are putting in front of us, actually the honor of loyalty is not in playing out what previous generation expected you would perhaps to play out, but actually engaging in the quest or the inquiry of what would be a way to engage that property or that essence or that quality in a new way today. Also, it's, I mean, it's anywhere. For example, it's not fair. It's not fair to what? It's not fair. What is fairness? What is the future of fairness or today fairness? Is my attitude to fairness come from my blood or from my tradition or from my memories or from my uh, psychology? Or I can search what is fairness for real. What is real fairness? Not what I want to be fair, to be fairness to be, because it's comfortable to me in this time. And you had a third word, courage. What did you want to say about courage? Well, courage is part of family, of a big family, like Velo and, and Valiance. It's the ability. It's the ability to go against opposition while the unknown leading you. Born out of opposition, courage is a quality that uh, was right from the time of, from the day one of the human race to search for truth. And if it needed to pay the price for it, and if it needed to fight for it, yeah, or to insist to insist uh, in a great power and sensuality to it and to guarantee it. This is, uh, this is as I see, courage and all the rest of the world within the family. Yeah. Yes. The lower end took it to bravery, to jump from high places, yes. <laughs> but uh, this is not what courage I mean, yeah? Yeah, you're talking about the courage that arises in the face of opposition, the courage that's um, emergent when one needs to not just stand one's ground in the physical sense of defending one's land, even though that in many times required courage as well, but more in the sense of standing your ground inside yourself in the sense of what is important for you and the values you will choose to enact and, and fight for and you're also talking about courage in the sense of being prepared to step into the unknown. Yeah. Simply by, for example, following a passion or a conviction or even a line of thought or a line of discovery and let that lead you rather than thinking that you need to know in advance what will the outcome be. That is another form of courage. So, And all those you're saying, these are the kind of trace lines that become part of the inquiry that we chose to start with chivalry. We could have chosen to, to start the inquiry with honor or another place. So who else is ready to step into this? And please, Marianne. I want to add to a couple of the threads that have already been uh, mentioned. I think it was Nigel that mentioned service being useful. With the crowded world that we live in, it's very hard for people to find a way to be useful and to give service to something. I'm thinking, for example, if a woman has a child with special needs, 
that is disabled in some way. She gives her life to bringing up that child. And even though she has to put her own life completely to one side, it's usually not just her, but help her, the whole family, because perhaps uh, the child then grows to adulthood and she's a little five foot tall woman and she has to help this giant young man who can't dress himself, who can't toilet himself. What courage is in that kind of action? The life of somebody like that is just, I have the most incredible admiration for that, the type of person who can do that. And where else do we see that in the world, that somebody will make a decision, make a choice, and put their lives on one, on one side and take up, take up some kind of service, some kind of duty? I mean, it was, used to be expected of young men in the past. Knights, for example, they were generally the nobility families, and they signed up to be knights because they wanted to do some sort of a duty. And it didn't happen so much in the farming and laboring class because they were too busy putting food on the table and feeding their families. But um, the young men of the noble family would seek to find a duty to perform. So where is that in today's world? Where do we find people who will do their duty? And like Boaz says, perhaps we need to look again at that word and update it. What is duty? What is service? Because um, it's hard to see people in so-called public service are very seldom absolutely selfless in it. They're doing it for their own glory or the money or whatever it is in it. There are very few real servants, public servants in the world. The chivalric orders in times past performed a public service. For example, the Knights Hospitaller protected the pilgrims on the road to Jerusalem. That was their job. And I believe that they, they provided sustenance and, and accommodation and things like that. And I think that's where we get the word hospitality. I'm not, perhaps Jerry knows, but uh, I believe that's where that comes from. But it's what I'm trying to say is, is that it's hard to know in today's very crowded world where to find a sense of duty, a sense of honor, a sense of winning for oneself, the honor of being of service. Yeah, thank you. This is, you are grounding this inquiry of chivalry in, in that clarity of um, this is not about fame, this is not about glory, this is not about personal achievement. The core essence of it is in this idea of being in service to, to a purpose or something you believe in. And how do you bring in today's, as you said, crowded, noisy, cynical, only click away for anything you want, a kind of a mindset, the idea of working hard sometime to achieve something or to refine in your character, as Jeremy said earlier, or to be in service and in duty. So who is ready to come next on this and, and play some more, please? One thing that really arose in me as you were speaking, Marianne, was to do with recognition. And it does seem to me there's something very chivalrous about that because it seems to me that to recognize, not just recognize something, 
but to actually confirm it, a good action, a good deed, for example. Because there's much that goes on and there's much that people do in the world today that is tremendous and value rich. But so often it gets missed or taken for granted. But to confirm an act by passing a comment or just simply recognising the fact of it uh, can add to, to it and strengthen it in another, which I think is also part of what Nigel was speaking about earlier in the mutuality aspect. Because when something is recognised, when something is valued and confirmed, it strengthens the bonds between people in incredible ways. And we're aware of this through experiences, many shared experiences, sometimes in more unfortunate theatres or arenas, like wartime, for example, when people have come together in extraordinary ways to make things happen that needed to happen. So I just wanted really to pick up on that aspect of recognition because it's very powerful. And uh, quite often it feels it's something which has started to fall away from our general ways of conduct and our general ways of behaviour in perhaps the trend of sometimes taking these things for granted, in which sometimes it can be, there can be more of a summoning to correct something if it was perhaps considered to be not quite right. But what about when things are right and are done very well? So really just to highlight that. Please, Nigel. Yeah, there's another key word uh, for me that I thought Marianne might mention, which is responsibility. And years ago, I made the decision to have children. And it's very easy to be familiar with that decision because you have your child there in front of you. But I realise now it's, it's actually to be responsible for the future of the human race. And you don't have to be a parent to do that. In fact, I think the chivalric stance of choosing the qualities in life you want to be at play, um, it's to, yeah, it's to become responsible for that and be champion for that in oneself. And the beauty of it is, I see that different energies become available when one chooses to champion such a thing. I mean, in, in parenthood, I don't think it would be possible to do it with just the normal energies. It's such a demanding task. But in choosing to be responsible for some aspect that you would want in the world and taking that on in yourself, it summons higher fuels that also want those things in the world. So, um, and it's almost in looking out, certainly in this country, well, those that who are in control, responsibility is absent. And in a way you are proposing, Nigel, that uh, when one chooses to become responsible for something, that can be um, an ecology or that can be a cause or that can be a quality that you choose to cultivate yeah. as, as part of living, you're offering in the, the consideration that that's another way of parenthood, parenting, yeah. to, parenting to a cause, parenting to a quality, parenting to something that we deem important. And you're proposing that, that there, is, there is something chivalrous 
about that, about choosing to stand for something, to protect something, to care, because it's important. Yeah, I mean, I can see one of the ways of our world is it, it likes to cause people to be in survival mode. And in that place, I don't think it is possible to, to reason and be responsible for something else. So it's, firstly, there's that personal stance of maintaining oneself in the living rather than in the survival mode, which is almost like the childlike state. So maybe chivalry is just, a, just an adult responsibility. So transcending subsistence and survival yeah. is itself chivalrous to engage with a greater potential of what your life can choose to support, that there is something chivalrous about that. What else, anybody, please, if you were to try to, to build on where we are in the conversation and, and sense into what, would it, what could it mean to be chivalrous today in, into your life and the opportunities of being alive at this time of change, and challenge. What, what else you'd highlight? Please, Jerry. I'd like to bring in, really, as a kind of an analogy, really, a story of a part of my professional life. And I'm now retired, by the way, so that's all behind me. Now, my, the area of my work, just to fill that out a little, was on, in the inspection side of the construction industry. And the job function was to ensure that buildings went up, uh, not just in a safe manner, but that the finished product was safe for people to live in, work in, whatever. And I became a team leader and with roughly eight professional surveyors in the team. Now, I saw as part of my function as a team leader to ensure that they were secure in their own function. And by that, I mean that not only did they have a good understanding of the regulation that goes with construction, but also how to implement that and how to work with you know the builders and the engineers and the architects and so on and so on. And I now realize that in taking that stance, it was actually within, well, it was an act of chivalry towards mm -hmm. those team members. Because that is the way I now see it, is that in, it's an education really, in educating these mostly men, but ladies as well, I, you know, sort of educating them in the ways of the ways, if I could put it that way, of the function was to bring them, elevate them up as human beings. So they became more secure in themselves, they became more confident and what I found that grew out of that, at least for those who could or chose to respond, not all did, I have to say, but for those that made that decision to 
take on board what I was trying to educate with, it reflected outwards in that the reputation of this team became quite special, actually. Mm. And it seems to me that if one should choose, if, as I certainly have, to take on board what I believe to be relevant in this modern time, we have to take account of that, yeah? And also we have to exercise, what's the word here, being careful, yeah? Mm. So to take a slightly silly example, there's no point in going up to a back street in some inner city town where the lighting is dim and finding a gang and trying to educate them in the ways of uh, ain't going to happen. <laughs> it's not, you know, sort of, in fact, you're more likely to get mugged. So you have to be in this modern world aware. Not everybody either can or will accept. And in, in the education, it's not going to be necessarily, you know, be having a conversation with somebody in these areas. It's by this life, me enacting it, just being courageous or exhibiting loyalty or whatever it may be. Because one thing I found out that, you know, sort of, I mean, uh, chivalry just goes everywhere. Absolutely goes everywhere. It really, really does. Um, which is, well, that's wonderful for me. <laughs> you know, so, so, so three thoughts about uh, what you offer there, Jerry. First is the recognition that it is a personal choice. Each person in that sense, as Nigel earlier said, is free to exercise their consciousness and their choice and thereby make the higher choices of living. The second awareness with whatever comment about this situation or that gang or another situation, I suppose we have the permission to not write anybody out. And I know that's not what you were suggesting but there will be certain circumstances where one would have to become so much more courageous, so much more chivalrous to step back from the conditions around them and actually stand for themselves to choose something else. And thirdly, the beauty of your little story about your team, perhaps offering us a, another definition for what chivalrous is. Because the essence of the story is that the proposal you make is to be chivalrous, is to elevate the other, and to elevate the other such that we can all be elevated. That's chivalrous. Anybody else, um, before we bring this to land on what chivalrous could mean for us at this time, though this is a, a good holding place to consider that to be chivalrous is to elevate the other, and thereby to elevate the potential and the possibility for all of us. So anything, any other contribution before we bring this to a temporary pause before we pick it up again. Yes, uh, Sus and then Jeremy, please. Yeah, I was just thinking about uh, a, drag, a backdrop to this whole conversation that has been taking place. And uh, the backdrop that I'm thinking about is also stemming out of uh, Jerry's uh, focus on, on education, because one of the things I've never understood why I was not taught is that life changes. I would really love to put that in as a backdrop because 
the concept of change is uh, is going through everything, and there's something that is not understood about change because it would appear that we all try to stop life when crises happen in life. We try to find the, the stop button and then we release the stop button the moment the crisis is over. But there's going to be crisis after crisis in life. And I never understood why have I not been taught in school that life is a process of change from the moment you are born to the moment you die. And what, what the consequence of your life will be inside the framework of change. So if I can put that in as a backdrop, I mean, so I would really, really love to uh, put that in, yeah. Yeah, wonderful. That is actually a placeholder for a whole other exploration about mm -hmm. every domain you framed life as a process of change and why is it not part of education? How can it be part of education? What's a way to sense into the, the different uh, levels of resilience through change? Mm -hmm. So this is something we, we ought to come back to on a whole separate call by itself. Mm -hmm. Jeremy, you were going to come in and maybe bring us uh, home for today. Yes, thank you. This was something that appeared today that I was considering, and it's to do with one of the lines that has come up today relating to service and quite simply what struck me was the the difference although quite subtle the difference on the one hand between thinking about me my life what is it that I would want what is it that I desire what is it that I'm after what is it that I seek and then just sort of turning that slightly and looking at it slightly differently and thinking about the idea of what are the needs of my life and how can I provide service to those needs? And how can I provide opportunities for the needs of my life also? Because I think that also really has something to say about chivalry, to provide opportunities for oneself for acts of service. So I would simply say that really, that small distinction, which I found really quite gripping today in my thought processes. Thank you. Because just to add one last thing about that that feels important is it felt like a, sh a slight shift away from being quite so personal about myself. And there's something about this chivalry in terms of the service aspect, which is a bit less personal. So that seems to be another theme inside of this. And it felt it was important to make mention of it. Well, the, so there is there is an important theme that that's traveling through some of the the last comments from from you, Jeremy, and, and then also from um, I think Nigel when he spoke about this sense of how much we are always most of the time for most people facing the need to just defend ourselves against all that's that's coming our way, and how much the the socioeconomic equation, even in this postmodern, perhaps especially in this postmodern world, it forces people into subsistence or needing to survive or needing to compete, mm. to thrive, whatever way you choose to, to state it. Mm. And how that, together with the, the need to 
somehow discover yourself in the midst of a cacophonous world, noisy world, that that created a, a unique combination where the high price point is to become yourself, whatever that means, and that in some way we are pushed to the discovery of self, which is a novel, big, important idea as part of something else we spoke about in a different context, the, the journey of individuation. But that, that sense of transcending the self, which you have spoken to in the sense of being in service, in the sense of being in duty, in the sense of stepping into a new space to provide opportunities to oneself and to others, all those ways, different ways, of transcending the lesser self or the, or the personal self to a more the transcendent self, wherein perhaps what we are sensing and, and exploring today, chivalrous, the chivalrous path, is one of the ways to consider the transcendent self or the path to transcending oneself. So, so much to further and, and develop here, but the intent of these portals of perception conversations is more than anything to seed possibilities, to seed ideas, to seed perceptions, rather than to bring closure or definition. And if you find this conversation interesting and inspiring, then you can become part of the process. You can become part of the conversation by joining us, by becoming a member, by joining future events that we will conduct. This is all part of the sense that in this time of evolving or evolutionary change, or both, that actually, as we've just heard from the conversation today, it's not going to be done by somebody else, by the people in power, by the... It's actually the, it begins with the realization that we are each in power first with ourselves. Will the political system need to be transformed? Will global economies need to be transformed? Will technologies need to be transformed? Will ways of education need to be transformed? Yes, all of these realms will need to be transformed, are being transformed, hopefully, but they all need leaders in small and in large ways. And as, as we, we are exploring today in this inquiry about chivalry, the leadership of self, Perhaps one of the, the paths into that is by easing the, the, the discovery and the inquiry into the idea of chivalry and living a chivalrous life. And we will come back in future conversations to further explore this idea of values and virtues and valiance and what, why are they important and how can they play a part of this future so join us, become part of the conversation, and looking forward to seeing you on one of our next future events. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Portals of Perception. If you're enjoying these dialogues, we'd love it if you'd leave a rating and a review at ratethispodcast.com portals. Visit portalsofperception.org for exclusive content. Please share this episode with a friend and be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. 